Hello, and welcome to Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast series bonus episode from episode three with Stu Morrill, which is out now. Hopefully you've listened to it. In this bonus episode, we are happy to talk with Tim Durier, who was an assistant coach and then associate head coach with Stu Morrill at Utah State for 14 seasons in total before taking over for three years as the head coach at Utah State after Stu Morrill's retirement. He's currently an assistant coach at Boise State. But Coulter, another testament to Stu Morrill and the type of person and coach that he is, yet another coach who spent more than a decade, almost a decade and a half, on his bench, a coaching with him, that just doesn't happen very often. A testament to continuity, too, and the thing is that the guys that were Stu Morrill's assistants, Tim Durier and Ray Ray and Don Verlin, all those guys, then after the continuity, after the little family was sort of broken up, they all went on to have great success as well. But it is. It's a unique situation, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Utah State had so much success, was nothing really changed. The names on the back of the jerseys changed, but their teams looked almost identical every year in terms of their discipline, their fundamentals, the way that they played, the way that they recruited. And I think all these guys deserve a fair amount of credit for that because, as you'll hear Coach Durier say here, Stu Morrill really let his coaches coach, and everybody had their own definitive role, and I think that's why you saw such sustained success at Utah State. Well, it's pretty unique. You know, there's... We think of coaches as there's some good coaches and then maybe there's some mediocre coaches out there. But I also think that there's a lot of really good coaches who maybe just aren't in the right place or at the right time. Totally. And fit is such a crucial factor to this. And as you'll hear in our conversation with Coach Durier, the fit of Stu Morrill at Utah State in Logan over that space of time and then the fit of the assistant and associate coaches uh, that Stu Morrill had and was able to retain clearly was as good as it could possibly be, and that is, uh, again, significantly responsible for the success they had and also the responsibility of Stu Morrill to understand who he was, what type of guy he was as a coach, and a place like Logan, Utah, and Utah State, allowing him to be the best version of himself, as you're always telling me, as a head coach, and he certainly was that. Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree, a podcast series, is brought to us by Blackfoot Communications, Coulter, and today's Always on world. Your business demands a simpler approach to network security. I know you run an online business. Oh, man. Under assault at all times. You have had it. Let's put it like this. You know the importance of security on your website for your business and, and at all times. I mean, look, for any of us now, I think we're up to date on the significance of security, whether it's our own personal online security or certainly that of a business that you may be running. And every business at this point is on online business. No doubt. And if you have a website that has any sort of repetitive keywords or any, especially names, I mean, Skyline Sports, we write about people. Any name is going to then get attacked by cyber forces from across the globe. We've had so many different weird things that have happened to us, and you got to keep yourself protected Blackfoot Communications can absolutely keep you protected in this ever-evolving technological world. Well, they sure can. Blackfoot Communications delivers state-of-the-art security solutions from perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. We appreciate Tim Durier taking the time to talk to us about Coach Morrill and their time together. Please enjoy 
Chris Great's The Coaching Tree podcast bonus episode with Tim Durier. Tim, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? You bet. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk about Coach Moore. Well, you share that sentiment with a lot of people in terms of people who have appreciated and continue to speak so very highly of Coach Morrill in that time. And this is interesting because you were at Colorado State, and at the time that Stu Morrill came to Colorado State from Montana, you actually left at that time, so you didn't even connect till almost a decade after the fact. How did that kind of work out, that ship's passing in the night? It was an interesting experience. I actually went to Colorado State as a graduate assistant, and my good friend Tim Jankovich was an assistant at CSU. He's now the head coach at SMU, and and we had known each other from when Tim was a GA in my playing days at a school I was at. So I spent two years at Colorado State as a GA for Boyd Grant, and then I left and got out of coaching for a couple years, and then a year later, Coach Grant retired, Coach Morrill came in, and you know he came in and had, had Randy Ray and Don Verlin on his staff, among others, and, and uh, I knew Randy, uh, but didn't know Stu, so like you say, we kind of passed in the night right there, and you know, I always, always kind of followed Colorado State's progress. My wife is a uh, Hall of Famer at Colorado State and played volleyball there, and so and, you know, we always follow the Rams' progress, and so I knew of Coach Morrill, and then you know I got back into coaching after a couple years out of it, and, and we ended up connecting at Utah State. And that connection at Utah State was facilitated right by Randy Ray, who you had known from being in the same kind of world and camps and stuff like that very early on in your careers together, and that's, that's kind of who had initiated that, right? Absolutely. Randy is really the reason that I ended up at uh, Utah State with Stu. Randy and I met when I was a GA at Colorado State. Randy was a high school coach in the state. And, you know, as a GA, you get to you, doing camps and things, you get to meet a lot of the in-state high school coaches. And, and so later on, I became the head coach at Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. And, you know, Randy was recruiting for Stu at Utah State and contacted me. They had lost an assistant and Randy asked if I'd be interested in, in coming out and meeting with Coach Morrill. And so I did that. And that's the first time I met Don Verlin. I knew Don's brother, Ron, who was at Pacific a long time, his twin brother, but I had never met Don. And so I, I went out on the interview. Obviously, I knew Randy already. I met Don and then, and then really got to know Coach Morrill. And he offered me the job on the interview, which, you know, quite honestly, without Randy's giving him the okay, I, I don't think that I would have ever gotten the job. You know, Stu always trusted the guys he had on staff to recommend other assistants. And, and he always liked to hire somebody that either he knew or that, that his assistants knew, you know, just that trust factor. And so Randy really put me in position to get the job with Stu. Now, Tim, sorry, just as an aside, if you were to ever have twins, would you give them rhyming names? <laughs> do you think do you think that's kind of mean to do the Ron and Dawn thing? Well, let me let me tell you, I do have twins. <laughs> wow! And, uh, right. <laughs> and, and no, their names are Dan and Stan. No, not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, my my twins are luckily boy girls, so I have Tanner and Taylor. As twins, but no, that's a, that's a hard one. Ron and Don is, especially when they're identical twins 
is good. But I had a lot of practice because I played high school baseball with Mark and Clark Cole, who were identical <laughs> twins. And so they just got the name Cole Boy. Whenever we saw one of them, it was, hey, Cole Boy, how are you doing? So uh, <laughs> we simplified good. that problem really quick. So you mentioned Coach Ray gives you a call, says, hey, you should come meet Stu Morrill, and that obviously worked out, and you get on the staff. But what do you remember about Coach Morrill that first time that you met him and, and in a setting where, you know, it's an interview kind of deal? It is, and, and Coach Morrill, before you know him, you know, is a little intimidating. I mean, he's about 6'8", and, and he's a big guy, and, you know, you know kind of from his reputation, he's, he's really a, a no-nonsense guy. I mean, he's he is all substance. We used to talk all the time about coaches, different coaches or players, and, you know, the guys that he really always admired were the guys that were long on substance and and short on style. He 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 didn't like it the other way around, and and so you kind of knew that was him. You know, he's a John Wayne guy. He's a he's a Montana guy. He's a he's a guy that uh, you know that likes straight shooters and and uh, and so that's that's kind of the personality you knew you were going to meet. And you know, I, I just really admired him from the first time we ever met. He was no nonsense. He was a family guy. He introduced me to his family on the interview, and he stuck his hand out and, and offered me the job at breakfast on the, uh, on the end of the interview. And we had an agreement and, and, uh, little did I know at that point that, you know, I'd spent the next 14 years with coach Morrill at Utah state and really just a, a magic carpet ride of a college basketball period with what, you know, he accomplished at Utah state. And, you know, you just don't, not many people have a 10 or 12 year run like we had where, you know, we had great kids. We had great health on our team. We had great success. We had great staff in terms of, you know, there was, there was no behind the scenes issues in terms of office politics or anything like that. We just dove in, we got the work done. We shared in the workload. We always knew who the boss was, but, Stu was great about letting you coach as well. You coached your area, whether it was offense, whether it was defense, and everybody pitched in and did the work, and and he was just a a dream to work for. You mentioned his no-nonsense nature. Blaine Taylor told us a story that when we were recording this podcast. Everybody always laughs when when we hear the name Blaine Taylor because how can you not? I mean, it's, it's a comedy show the whole time. But Blaine told us a story about when he was first, when he was still working for Stu before he took over as the head coach of Montana, and he was recruiting Travis DeCure, who's now the head coach at Montana. And he said he shows Stu this clip of Travis, you know, dribbling between his legs and going up for a dunk in the lane. And Stu says, "Nope, nope, we don't want him. Don't care. Don't care if we got a six foot point guard who can dunk. That's not what I want." So, very good example of the no nonsense. Do you have any other stories just about his recruiting or the or the way that he uh, kind of went about? Former your guys' roster because it seemed like you guys always had such such disciplined, fundamental type kids. We did, and the reason I laughed on Blaine is because I've heard a lot of Blaine Taylor stories from Stu that that I won't go into here. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, Blaine is a great guy, and and that 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 is that is Stu in a nutshell. It's you know it's I don't care you know what the highlight plays are. You know what is he about? Uh, what's his character? Um, you know, those kind of things. And, and it didn't matter, you know, to Stu, you know, where you came from, what color you were. He always used to talk about players as, you know, high pricers, quote, high pricers. He'd say to me a, a lot, 
you know, I'm not sure I'd be very good coaching all those high pricers. And, you know, really what he meant was guys that uh, had a lot of things that were important to them other than going to school and getting your degree, being a really good person on and off the floor, being a great teammate, and being coachable, and really playing for the name on the front of your jersey. And that that's really, in my 14 years with Stu at Utah State, that's really, you know, what we embodied. Any coach will tell you, you don't, you don't do it without really good players and have success. But, you know, we had tough kids. You know, we had some older kids we got to coach because of the, uh, you know, the Mormon culture, the LDS culture in Utah, where a lot of those kids go on church missions and you get them, you know, on the back end. So, you know, you're coaching older, mature kids. And that was just such a perfect fit for Stu because those kids were, you know, a lot of times they had their priorities in order. You know, they were going to school to get a degree and, and, and to be a success later in life. And we had a lot of kids go and play professionally overseas in different spots. And some played for a year, some played for 10 years, some made very little money, some made a lot of money. And so everybody tried to to use basketball to take them as far as it possibly could. But the common denominator was be a good teammate, play for Utah State, get your degree, and and be a good person. And, and those were the things that were most important to Stu. It's amazing because rarely, first of all, is a guy just a head coach at a place for as long as Stu Morrill was at Utah State. And I don't know if there's very many instances where he's been able to keep a guy on his staff as his uh, assistant coach, and then later for years and years, the associate head coach, like you were with him, kind of hand in glove. You have a great relationship, of course, but also in a profession where you think, okay, you know, I'd probably like to be a head coach at some point. What was it that kept you with Stu at Utah State for all that time? You know, I think it was just really a kind of a perfect storm. When I went to him, I was in my middle 30s. I had young twins uh, at home that were about five years old. And, you know, I got to Utah State and, you know, Stu had great security with his contract. We had job security, uh, number one. Number two, I, re- I just really took to the organization uh, that, that Stu provided in terms of how we did things, you know, the process in, in terms of how we prepared for games, how we recruited, how we coached on the floor, how we ran camps in the summer, how we, you know, handled academics, just everything was really a organized process with him. And I, I really kind of took to that. That's kind of my personality. And then I really developed a lot of friendships in Logan, liked who I was working with. It was a great place to coach. We were winning. There was security. And so, you know, a couple of years turned into six or seven and that that turned into you know nine or ten and then at that point I'm like well this is a really good basketball place and Stu's not going to do it forever and so let's just hang in there and see what happens you know when he decides to to call it quits and like I said none of that would have happened if you know you didn't like who you were working for and who you were working with and where you lived and you know my kids were very happy there and and family. And so it was just kind of really a perfect storm that led to, you know, you turn around and it's 14 years and they were, they were 14 really good years. We've talked to a lot of people about coach Morrill and, and all his coaching tactics, his coaching style, but what do you think defines him as a head coach? What was his ultimate strength? Two words come to mind, organization 
and preparation. And that really defines Stu. It, it, it didn't matter if we were playing, you know, the Lakers or Roast Beef Tech on, on the next night. It didn't matter. How, we were going to prepare the same for, you know, our, our tribal, if it was BYU or whoever, we were going to, we were going to use the exact same process for them as we were if we were playing our, our non-Division one game. Just the consistency and organization and then the preparation. I just think he was so consistent over the years that, you know, that rubs off on your staff and then that rubs off on your players and, and everybody knows, you know, what to expect. And it's like, okay, hey, this is how we do things. And we're going to go into every game and we're going to be 100% prepared uh, on the defensive end, and we're going to be 100% organized on the offensive end in terms of how we want to go about, you know, playing the game. And there's a lot of different ways to coach and play. And, you know, I'm not saying his way is the only way or, or whatever, but I think the important thing is that everybody in your program is on the same page in terms of how you're doing things, and, and you have a, a high buy-in and with your staff and your players, and, and that's something we always had with Stu. Coach Morrill decides it's time. He's been at it long enough, and he's going he's gonna to hang him up. You take over at Utah State. And on one hand, I would think it's got to be you know, very exhilarating and rewarding to now have that seat and be the head coach at this place you've been for so long, but also for him to be retiring and the bond, obviously, that you create over that many years. What was that like, that transition? It was great. And people say, you know, oh, that to follow Stu and all those things. And, you know, that, that really, honestly, was never a big thing for me in terms of bothering me. And even though Coach stayed in town, which I was great with, I, I, I was so thrilled that he chose to stay and support me. And, and a lot of people, you know, he sat right behind the bench. And a lot of people said, oh, doesn't that bother you or intimidate? And I said, no, I, I was the one that, made sure he had those tickets and, and uh, I wanted him there and, and his support. And, you know, we would go to lunch once every couple weeks and, and we would talk about, you know, the team and the league and things were happening in college basketball. And, and he was nothing but supportive. I mean, he, he was such a good person to, to bounce things off of and things like that. You know, he, he never tried to coach the team or tell me what to do or, or anything like that. And, nor did I ever think he would. It's not like I was surprised by the fact that he was supportive and, and so secure in his legacy and, and supportive of me. And, and I, you know, I just, that's, I wouldn't have expected anything different from him. And so that was the, that was the special time for me to have him there, you know, with me as I took over. And as I look back, like I said, it was a tremendous honor to work with him and, and like I said, we had a 10 to 12 year run there that, you know, a lot of people are never fortunate enough in this business to, uh, to be able to go through in terms of the success that we had and, you know, the friends we made and, and uh, the staff and, you know, Randy and Don and I still keep in touch to this day, as I do with Dave Rice and Chris Jones and Tarvis Felton and, and the assistants we had there, um, you know, there wasn't a ton of turnover on Stu's staff and and that's you know because he was such a good guy to work for and and you just knew what you were getting there's there's some looney tunes there are looney tunes in this business and you know if you work for the wrong one your life can be can be really miserable but if you work for the right kind of guy 
it's it's a tremendous profession, and I was really fortunate with Coach. Tim Durier, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing sharing stories with us today. Ryan Coulter, I sure appreciate the time and the, the opportunity to do that. <laughs>